This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Struggling in the Premier League and the Carabao Cup, but cruising in the Champions League... Good God, 2017-2018 City could never. It's Thursday, the 5th of October. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Andrew Decker. And this is the City Report Podcast. It's here for good to win! It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England. Champions of Europe. Now they have their triple crown. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back to Andrew as well. City winning in the Champions League in the end, comfortable fashion. Um, an interesting game in Leipzig. We're going to delve into that. Uh, during today's episode if you haven't already as always please hit follow hit subscribe but Andrew how are you feeling after a 3-1 win for the treble win in European Champions in what has to be said is probably City's hardest group stage fixture it's all right this Champions League stuff isn't it we can get used to um, not having that many woes in this competition look it's it's just all about the fundamentals and you know you just gotta gotta go in and do what City do best and get back to basics and after a couple of tough losses and that's what city did. And Hey, three, one winners away from home, six points out of six for the group. I think we're good. Like things are, things are fine. It it was a good win. I'm happy. From woes to griddies. We've had all the sort of TikTok dances in this (laughs) game. Um, Let's get into the match itself then. Cause I think it was one of those games where we've emerged with plenty of talking points that seems to be the case really with Manchester City at the moment um sort of general feelings then of the performance I mean I've got my own opinions as usual but I've seen some mixed responses um our very own Oliver Kirsch said what what how, I can't remember how he described it something said that it, it was a worry City were off or something like that but I'm that we were still off the pace yeah I, I, I just I, I disagree I'm completely the opposite side of the spectrum I think it was probably City's strongest performance of the season so far yeah I mean 
we're talking about a Leipzig side that beat Bayern in whatever they call their Super Cup to begin the season, right? The, the Super they, Cup. Is it just the Super Cup? <laughs> yeah. I, it, look, there's too many names for this same type of fixture. The Deutsche like, Super Cupen. Yeah, like if we could just all agree that that is just called the Super Cup across all mm. leagues, like that would be very useful. Um, but they did well there. They did well when they played Bayern earlier this season. Like this is a really good mm. Leipzig side, despite the fact that they lost Gavardiol, Schobaslai, um, and Ndoku, right? Like that's a good, that's three, I would argue, world-class players that you lose, but they're still a really good team. So yeah. I think to go to Leipzig and walk away with the points that we did and the performance that we did where Leipzig had 0.24 XG, City had 2.09. We had 68% possession. Like this is ideal for what you want. Like this is how you want to perform in an away Champions League match against a good team. Absolutely, I completely agree. Um, some some stats then before we get rolling, and and I know you you're into your numbers, so that this this will go well. But City finished with one point eight two xg. This is according to Flash Score. Obviously, different models may um, may differ. Sixty nine percent possession, which is is probably a bit smaller than you might have expected um, watching the match. They were completely dominant. 18 attempts on goal compared to RB Leipzig's three across the 90 minutes. Obviously, as is often the case with City at the moment, RB Leipzig scoring with their only shot on target. But the thing that struck me, and, and we'll, we'll sort of veer into team selection to start off with, was the control City dominated the match with. And people will get frustrated with the likes of Jack Grealish because he's obviously being dubbed the five-yard pass winger or whatever it is. But City can only do what they do in the final 20 minutes of that game where Alvarez comes on, Doku comes on and light the light the place up because of the 70 minutes which preceded it, where City was so in control. We saw against Wolves, Absolutely. for example, where City started with the, um, the, the sort of the... the philosophy the mentality to go out and try and blitz wolves and it quickly backfired they had no control at all by halftime one nil down get back into it with a free kick from alvarez which is obviously a fantastic finish but it isn't how you should be scoring goals and they they barely create anything so i I think for me it was nice to see that sort of return to what we were seeing at the back end of last season where city just looked like they had the game and it's the buzzword everyone knows it it's a debating point the control, and that's the performances I prefer to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the stats, the only category that I'm seeing that Leipzig beat us in is that they didn't miss a big chance and we missed one. Mm. But otherwise, we had you know five shots on target to one. You know, more big chances. We, I mean pass them to death we were more accurate in the passing like this is what you want out of a performance particularly when we saw how city won the champions league last year it was mm-hmm. not by playing basketball which frankly i think if we had tried to go with the direct lineup that we did against wolves against leipzig we would have gotten into a match not yeah. as similar to monaco um yeah and that's not like that's just not our game Mm. Why, why would we do that when we <laughs> yeah. can control a match? And yes, it means that if you're only up 1-0 because Holland misses a couple like cl- chances you think he should put away, it does give them a route back in the match. And they did find their way back into the match. Mm. But 
thankfully, we're starting to get healthy. We're starting to find our groove with some of these you know, new signings and players that have been injured. And we bring Doku and Alvarez off the bench. And both are instrumental in getting two goals. But I think they're two goals that don't happen if you don't put Leipzig in the vice grip that you do mm-hmm. for the first 70 minutes. And you... You know, those were tired legs that Alvarez and Doku were facing. So to me, I think like this was an ideal performance. It is how I want to see City play. Like I like to see us take some risk sometimes. Like I'm I'm cool to do that against certain teams, but against a team like Leipzig, there is zero reason to do anything other than what the approach with City was today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, City have been able to welcome back some of those players who were so instrumental in the treble run. Um, Jack Grealish, Bernardo Silva, obviously John Stones was on the bench. But it is starting to look like a bit of a, a more familiar side to the one we saw lift the Champions League, the FA Cup and the Premier League just a couple of months ago. And I, I, I feel like with Jeremy Doku, he's obviously come in and he set the world alight and that finish, by the way, the confidence. It was one of those almost akin to... Um, Erling Haaland against West Ham last season, the first, sorry, the second yep. goal he scored for City, where he's thrown goal and you're like, this, this is going in. But again, going back to it, to have somebody like him to bring off the bench against a, a Leipzig defence, who are obviously, even without Gvardiol, still very good. They are one of the best teams in the Bundesliga. They pushed um, Bayern Munich close to the weekend. I think they got a 2-2 draw. But to bring him on against a tired defence like that, a resilient defence like that, and, and completely tear it apart, that is exactly what City have lacked in those games last year when they weren't able to get over the line. And granted, it wasn't, they were few and far between those matches, but there's a, probably a question of whether or not you start Grealish or Doku ahead of the Arsenal game. But I, I cannot fathom the criticism I'm, criticism I'm seeing of having a team dominate possession for 70 minutes try and work uh, work the defence down, get opportunities, create chances, and then bring someone like Doku and obviously Alvarez, who would usually start, was being rested, but we know he is a, a, an incredible player and we'll speak about him shortly. But it, it was just, it was a perfect performance for me. It's exactly what you want to see away from home in Europe and I guess a real sort of <sighs> indication of where City are in this competition now and the, and the lessons they've learned because I agree I think a couple of years ago we see a Monaco game we see a, a match where a Celtic going back to 2016 as well where you do concede more chances you concede more goals any team playing in the Champions League is a good one and City dealt with them um, I think one of the people who were front and foremost of that victory is is obviously um, Rico Lewis, which for me was a performance, the Champions League performance for the ages. He was masterful, completely dominated. He was everywhere. And I think there's been a bit of debate about his best position, but to see him operating in that, somebody re- referred to it as Ilkay Gundogan role, which was interesting. You can definitely see the comparisons, but a, a, a midfield performance for the ages in my eyes from Rico Lewis against Leipzig. He is the perfect example of what and how City's plan for sustained success happens. Because if you don't have a model of your academy that leads to players playing in the same style and system from the time that they are what he would have been, I guess, eight Mm -hmm. years old, roughly, to now that he's 18, he is comfortable playing in multiple positions in a way that just wouldn't exist if City's academy model was, well, we're just going to try to develop great players and however they're talented, we're going to focus on that. Yeah. And 
I think that that is something that makes sense if you are a club who all you're planning is you find young talent, you develop them a little bit, and then you sell them on to keep moving forward. But that's not what City are doing. Mm. City are looking to find the gems like Rico Lewis, like a Phil Foden. Um, I think Cole Palmer would have gotten there had he stuck around. Mm. But you find those, and then the other players that don't make it are still very valuable and can be sold on, but you're only focused on developing players that fit your particular style. And that is the reason that you have seen Phil Foden and Rico Lewis both step into City's first team Mm -hmm. at the ages they do and do so well. Um, And so we should not, like, I I don't know that we can praise Rico Lewis enough for how impressive this performance is because there are so few players in the world that could be five years older than him that are theoretically a right back, but are playing as a eight slash six. Like interesting. Do, not... do you do you think? Because uh, I I'm of the opinion that he is not a right back, and I don't think he's ever in the senior team anyway been a right back. He kind of played there a little bit last year, but it was we spoke about it a lot more sort of that inverted style fullback, which isn't a fullback in the traditional sense, but you know, we're getting into a debate about positions and whether yeah. they actually exist. But for me, I, I don't think he's in any way, shape or form a right back in, in any sense of the word. Not that you were implying he is, but I, I get I get what you're saying. It was more of a sort of what what is Yeah, his I mean position? I think it's the it's a, it's you're right because and I think this is something that people struggle with and it's why you know people have freaked out about oh we don't have any left backs in the squad it's like well no we do for the system that we play mm. we just don't have a tradi- like we don't have a up and down the wing left left back or left wing back but we have people that play that like it's not positions it's roles and Rico Lewis can fill the role of an inverted fullback which in our system can take the place of what a traditional right back would be um you're right i if we were asking Rico Lewis to play the role as if he was Pablo Zabaleta and mm. like, that's what, like he couldn't do that, no. but that's not what we're asking him to do. That's not what he needs to do um, because Pablo Zabaleta probably couldn't do what Rico Lewis did tonight. Um, as mm. much as we love the man, like he is not going to step in and play as an eight in a Pep Guardiola team. Mm-hmm. Um, fair. I'd love to see it. Like if that could, <laughs> if we could get a time machine to see, you know, young Pablo Zabaleta as an eight under Pep yeah. Guardiola, that'd be great. Yeah, I reckon he'd probably be picking up a few more red cards if he was that high up the pitch. Um, but with, with Rico Lewis, he, he created the most chances in the match. And, and again, it it's almost into Jude Bellingham territory where we're constantly referring to his age, but the lad is still only 18 years old. And that is, again, going back to his testament to City system. And I think we've seen it with Oscar Bob as well, the way he's been able to uh, be bobbed in to the team and just look so good and look so fresh and looks like he has the understanding. That's the difference between going out and buying a new player and it's taking you know the, tip- the typical tag it takes a year to bed in etc learn learn the Guardiola way when you have it from what under eights under nines straight through to the senior team it, it makes it so much more simple and I guess nice little segue it, it's exactly the same for Phil Foden and unlike Rico Lewis we know exactly what this lad can do but it does feel like it was a timely performance for Foden, wasn't it? After the Wolves game where people were suggesting that he needed to step up and deliver a bit more, 
personally, as we spoke about at the start of the week, I, I feel like it was just one of those days. City could have played for an extra 48 hours and they wouldn't have found a goal, or at least from, from open play, obviously the free kick. But it, it felt like a, a, a timely performance for him to just silence those little doubters. And, and he's quietly having a wonderful season. That's another goal for him he's got. I think it's six or seven goal contributions already. He's a delight to watch on that form. And hopefully, with Grealish coming back, with Bernardo Silva going back, his uh, his um, position um, is a little bit more settled because that does start to look like it's it's being turned into the Phil Foden role. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think it, it's nice to look at Phil Foden and Rico Lewis side by side because, you know, I alluded had Cole Palmer stuck around. I think he was of the level that he could have played a, a serious role with City. Mm. Um, and I think Rico strikes me as the character to have this approach. But to me, it seems like Rico Lewis can look at Phil and say, yeah, he didn't get the minutes at 18 that someone like Saka has gotten for Arsenal. Mm. But the career development, the the path he's on if you look at it overall i think any player in the world if you you know and we don't know where sakas will go from here but if you just said by you know the age phil is you could have these trophies won Mm. for your boyhood club like all this or you could have this like everyone's gonna pick foden's career Mm -hmm. right for rico i think it's something where you say look you may not get to play every game. If you went to a club that had less talent, you mm. would play more. And maybe you would make a little bit more money because um, te- they would be desperate to have you to bring that talent in. But if he's patient, I think five years from now, we're talking about Rico Lewis the same way we talk about Phil. Mm. And we can't say enough good things about Phil Foden because to do what he has done consistently in his city career with the amount of pressure and expectation that he has on him that I think is there's no other player in city's squad that has that. Um, There are plenty of players who have high expectations because of their transfer fees or because of their world-class reputations, but they do not have the expectation and the hopes that fans put on the hometown hero. Mm -hmm. And so it was a great performance by Phil. I think that the last the back half of last season and so far the beginning of this season, I think we've seen a far more matured and professional version of the attacking talent that is Phil Foden. And I think that that is a good sign. Um, And it allows, I think, Pep to have more doubts of, do I have to play Kevin De Bruyne in every game? Um, Because I think Phil can give us a lot of what Kev does in different ways. Obviously they're not the same player, but it's, it's a level of talent and creation and I think belief in their own ability to win the game that you need. Um, But with Kev, as he gets older, playing him all the time is a risk. So if this is the level that Phil can consistently be at, that's great for Pep and it's great for City. It's interesting you mention um, Rico Lewis and his game time because I I actually don't think, and in fact we know, Phil Foden wasn't, starting Champions League matches of this level and of this calibre 
at 18 years old. So I, I, I was thinking watching the game, actually, I wonder if Rico Lewis could be the next city captain of the Vincent Company mould in the sense where he keeps the armband for six, seven, eight years, wins a ton of trophies, is lauded in that sense because... This is going to sound a little bit reductive, but I don't think he is technically the best player on the team. He's he's got a lot of development to do, of course, but you, you know there are more refined players, and that's again he's eighteen; he could get better. But just that sort of initial look at him, he isn't going to be doing some of the wonderful midfield genius stuff that Bernardo Silva does or Kevin De Bruyne, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he has that leadership quality, which is remarkable for a teenager. There's a moment Erling Haaland missed a chance in the first half. And I said, was it Phil Foden? Somebody missed a chance. And Rico Lewis is there picking him up off the floor saying, come on, let's get going. And then when you combine that with his immense talent, obviously, he, he, he's, you've got to be decent level to play for City. But I think he has all the attributes that could lead to a fantastic captain, which will be one to watch, no doubt, going forward. Can, can I say something that will likely Absolutely. get me yelled at by certain people? Okay. Um, the way you were describing him and like, cause I, I, I agree with you a lot of the idea of the mold he could be in. But if we're talking about midfielders who maybe do not have the technical quality mm. that you might expect at this level, who nevertheless are key to their sides success because of their leadership, their connection with the club, with the fans, mm-hmm. um, Mayhaps he could be City's Jordan Henderson. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And, um, and I, I think I, I don't know if it was on this or back when we were Manor Ramble that I said that if there was a city, if there was a player of another club that would make be like our manager mm. that was currently playing, I said Henderson because I think that they're, you know, and things have changed to where he's said some things that I don't love, but <laughs> in, in the intermediate period, but I do think that they're. Talent and technical quality matter, but there is also something to be said for having someone mm. to pick the other players up around them to instill belief who is just always there at the right time. And we've seen plenty of examples of players like that, even yeah. in Pep Guardiola teams, like very much having role, Vincent Company being one of them. Pep loved mm. Vinny, despite the fact that he was not as technically gifted as some of the other center backs he could have played. And so... Mm. I think Rico, for what he has done at the age he has done, you're 100% right that that is, if he sticks around and is committed and doesn't, you know, you know, continues to develop and we don't Mm. have injury issues, like he really could be someone that we are talking about as an all-time city player, all-time city captain, just because of the impact he could potentially have because of the age at which he stepped into this, into pep ball at age eight and then, walked into the first team ready to go at 18. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we're starting to think about the, the medium to long-term future when Guardiola leaves, it's going to be crucial to have those bridges who were there before, but also have enough sort of, I don't know, cash in the bank to go on and, and mould and, uh, uh, themselves post-Pep and can continue the legacy there. You know, you don't want to be back bogged down with the same old players and the same old attitude because there's going to be a drop-off so I think it's important to have players like that now coming through and and yeah Rico Lewis most City appearances best captain of all time no pressure mate um, that'll, do for, <laughs> that'll do for part one join us after this quick break as we continue the review of the Leipzig win away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season and the same goes for McDelivery 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Happy Thursday, everybody. The Europa League theme tune plays on in the background. The superior UEFA anthem, I have to say. Um, what, what is uh, this, Anfield? <laughs> yeah, way. Well, um, okay, well, let, let, let's speak about Erling Haaland in the in the comparison with, with Julian Alvarez because obviously at the moment things are not quite going to plan for our big Norwegian meat shield. L- l- less of a meat shield, more of a, a lettuce shield. Um, I don't know what 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 would be the down one from a meat shield. I'm trying to think of what um, what weird and wonderful name we can come up with. I don't know. Maybe I'll leave that one to you. But it isn't exactly going to plan for him. He's he's missing chances. He's not scoring goals. I think that's now five Champions League matches going across from last season where he hasn't found the net. Previously, his longest run was two matches. When do we start to part? Uh, when do we start to press the panic button? Because um, personally, I'm not panicking yet. He's getting the chances. He's in the positions. I don't actually think against Leipzig there was a a chance where I looked at him and thought, yes, he should have scored that. There was one where he was on the stretch and maybe could have done a little bit better, but it's a difficult chance. However, he is there to score goals. He is not there to create chances although he did do that very well for Doku's goal um I will add he's not there to make 50 passes in the game his job is to score goals and at the moment he's not doing that I think that is all valid um but what I would say is to your point of he sh- there weren't tons of chances you think or really any chances you think he should have scored I agree with you I think the mm. issue for the narrative and how people look at him is for so long, all of those chances he missed tonight were ones that he buried and made look simple. Mm. It It's the curse of being on a different planet compared to basically anyone else who's played your <laughs> position in living memory. Yeah. Is that when you go through what should be considered a fairly normal, <laughs> you know, drought for a player who is still only 23 and very young and still developing. Like you're going to have moments where you don't perform well. And like, I'm not saying there's something else going on in his life, but like uh, it's what was Ange that said it right. Where he said that like players aren't robot, like they're like players are humans too. Like I, who knows what could be going on in his life? Like Mm. literally the smallest thing could just be like bugging him right now. Like he could (laughs) just be like angry about like, I don't know. He didn't get a, house that he wants like whatever right Mm. it's i'm not saying that that's the reason but we have to be understanding that players are just going to have dips Mm. um i mean even even messi had games and series (laughs) of games where like 
he wasn't at his best. Yeah. That's fine. Um, he still, I mean, tonight you said it. Holland had great hold at play for Doku's goal. Um, he was a threat, and I do think also we just have to account for the fact that with each year teams have more and more tape to look at of how mm-hmm. do you defend Erling Holland, and they are devoting more resources, more time to doing that because he is such a unique threat, and it still opens up other moments around him. Leipzig basically had two center backs on him the entire night. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to make it difficult to score, um, but it'll happen. Um, thankfully, his quote-unquote understudy slash strike partner, <laughs> um, I don't know, is Julian Alvarez, who isn't just like one of the best strikers in the world, but I would argue one of the best players in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if voting weren't sentimental, I think if you were going to vote for an Argentinian to win the Ballon d'Or, <laughs> it would not be Messi, it would be Julian Alvarez. But mm. that's just me saying that if the point of it is, well, Messi won a World Cup, it's like, well, so did Julian Alvarez, but he also then won the treble in the same yeah. year. Yeah, and also um, Julian Alvarez didn't bottle a League's Cup final, did he? So, uh, oh no, did, he did, did not. Did, did Inter Miami win it? The, Inter Miami won the League's Cup. They did not win the U.S. Open Cup, which is there our version go. of the FA Cup. Yes. So yeah. So he, he uh, Messi didn't bottle a League's Cup, but he he did bottle the Open Cup. Um, yeah, Alvarez better than Messi. There's another hot take for you guys. But I, I wanted to, to, to sort of elaborate. I've got a couple of points I want to touch on with with Haaland. Um, what do you think City do Pep Guardiola in particular from this point going on? Um, I guess it's a simple question, but do you think he you, you try and play him into form, or is Erling Haaland now straying into the category of players who are droppable? I mean, we're talking about Pep Guardiola, so any player is droppable. True, for being honest, like mm-hmm. I mean, the man the man has zero uh, remorse for dropping <laughs> yeah. anyone. I feel like I mean, I'm. I, I'm not enough. Like I wasn't a Barca fan, so I didn't watch every. Like, did Messi ever get dropped? I'm mm, like probably I, not. I, I, probably I think he, not. I think but he'd like, probably have been shot by Laporta if Guardiola had, had dropped Messi. I think it's it's in his contract that he has to play every minute of every game. That's that's fair. Um, but like, it, it, if he drops him, I think that's fine. But I also trust Pep to manage Holland mm-hmm. and get him through whatever this is and. You know, if you look at the uh, the stats, Holland had an underlying XG of point like seven two, I think seven three. Mm. That's a that's a good amount. Like the, there are going to be games where he just doesn't put it in the back of the net. That's fine. Um, so I don't know that necessarily like we need to play him into form. Um, he just needs to have the shots fall slightly better for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, hire a sports psychologist. I don't like. There's plenty of things you can do here that. Mm. But I, we're talking about a very well-run club, very settled. We know Holland likes it at City that he's surrounded with good people. Like I just, I'm not worried about it. Mm-hmm. So if Pep thinks that dropping him is going to help, then that's the right call. If he thinks playing him into form will help, that's the right call. But I also trust Pep to balance getting Holland into the right form while also ensuring we continue to win. So like I yeah. just, I, I can't worry about that. For what it's worth, I completely agree. I don't think it's an issue at the moment. Um, like I said, for for me, a striker who is not getting themselves in positions to have chances is is more worrying than one who is simply yeah. missing chances. Um, but yeah, I, 
finally then another question on Erling Haaland and I'm throwing you some very difficult uh, questions today but do you think he might have had too good of a season last year in the sense that like you said before literally everything he touched in front of goal went in and and it was like there there were some of those spells where he was scoring especially before the World Cup where every chance excuse me every chance it felt like he had ended up in a goal and I think there was a stat at some point I I can't remember exactly but it was like Haaland has scored from x amount of his last y shots in the sense that he was having a ridiculous goal to shot ratio obviously that isn't happening at the moment and um his numbers he put up last year 52 goals in 53 appearances is is absurd and and I don't think we'll get to see that again um maybe ever with Erling Haaland. You know, I think it was just one of those seasons where everything he touched turned to gold. Doesn't mean to say he's not going to touch a 40-goal 40, 40 campaign or anything like that. But coming on to his second season, having won the treble, having done everything that there is basically to do, being in the Ballon d'Or, you know, a credible shout, although I doubt he wins it because of PRSE or Pressy, as the, the kids are calling him on Twitter. But do you think maybe, maybe it would have been better for him not to score 50 goals, maybe like a 35 goal or something like that, just so there is that less pressure when things don't go his way. Because he's a stat padder, as we know. So my hesitation here is just because I think for a certain type of player who is... They're driven by ego. I I would agree with you that maybe. And like, I think it would be better for in terms of if Holland had only scored, say, 25 goals last season Mm. in the league. I think that this start, he would not be getting the attention, but I don't think it actually matters because I don't think Holland is the type of player that any of this coverage or these issues are like going to ultimately get to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've I've talked about it before, but I think Holland is a great example. And honestly, Rico is too of the benefits of having a parent who is involved in your career, who succeeded not because they were sublimely talented, but because they worked really hard to be good at what they did. Mm -hmm. Um, and so with both, you know, Rico's dad be, being in boxing and, you know, Alfie Holland having the career mm. that he did, which I would say he had a very good career. But it's, I think it's not unfair to call Alfie a journeyman football player where he yeah. got through because he worked hard. And so Holland has known from like day one that what it takes to succeed is to work hard and that you can be talented and it won't work out. Look at his very talented teammate uh, at Dortmund and... Jane Sancho, who was tipped for tremendous success at the same age as Holland was, but has had issues with his career. And someone put it to of the attitude and the approach of like that. Maybe that has not been ideal for Sancho. Mm-hmm. Again, there are things that like, I don't want to totally speculate on with him, but I think with Holland, like what I've always admired is that you can just tell is that he could score three goals and he's going to be like, oh, oh, man, like I should have scored those other two chances that mm. I missed. Like I need to do better this, this, this and this. The success doesn't matter to him. So to me, the fact that he scored the amount of goals he did last season 
I don't think set him up for failure in the way that it could serve some other players. I think it just means that the media is going to enjoy this drought, but it ultimately won't affect Erling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's obviously our position as fans, as people who come onto this show and, and give our opinions, is going to be driven by that media narrative because it's only natural. You know, you look at the stats and you go, he's not scored in the last five Champions League games or three matches across all competitions. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Whatever it is, and you know, that's our job, that's what we do, that's what generates the headlines, that's what sort of gets us the talking points, etc, etc. Behind closed doors, that, I would hazard a guess, isn't going through anyone's mind. Or at least if it is, it's like, oh god, I've not scored three games but we've won two out of those games or whatever it is, you know, we're still winning points and I'm still contributing to the team. I'm still getting chances. So again, I, I reiterate, I don't think there's a problem there. We might come on here next week and Haaland's missed another sitter. Or we might come on here after the international break and he's gone six games or seven games without a goal. And perhaps maybe we start calling him a fraud. And or, we, say, or we're coming back after the Arsenal match and he scored 15 goals. <laughs> because, you know, the... <laughs> The yeah. pendulum swung the other way, and now just everything he touches is going back in the net. Like, yeah. who knows? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's sort of going to be the season for City, I reckon. It can still be an immensely successful one. City will probably win a couple of trophies, fingers crossed anyway. But I reckon it's probably going to be one of those where we're going, ah, City in crisis, is Haaland a fraud? The next week we're going, aren't City beautiful, treble winners, European champions? You mean we're going to repeat what we had last season? Because literally that was... Bring it on. <laughs> that was how last season was. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. I can, um, I can drink to that. Um, Andrew, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Listeners, thank you very much. Ratings, if you can. Likes, if you can. All of that juicy business. And until next time, which will be tomorrow, we'll see you later. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.